Hey, what's up, everybody? On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we had a super engaging discussion with Diljeet Taylor, women's cross-country coach at Brigham Young University, one of the best cross-country programs in the country right now, and Julie Sumption, who's a member of that cross-country team and a longtime member of the Especially for Athletes program. We talked about a number of things. We talked about life lessons learned through running and working through the dark spots of a run and how that applies to life. We talked about nutritional advice and training regimen advice for young runners. And we also talked about how athletes can use their position to lift and help those around them. It was a super awesome discussion. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. We are so excited today to be joined by Julie Sumption, a longtime member of Especially for Athletes, ran track at, at Springville High School, and now runs with the cross-country team and the track team at Brigham Young University, one of the best, best programs in the country right now. And we're super honored to be joined by Diljeet Taylor, who's a coach there at this wonderful program at Brigham Young University. And we're excited to have a conversation today, especially for our runners in high school, and to do a, a podcast about life lessons about running and also some advice about running and how they could use their position as athletes to, to lift those around them. So first of all, welcome and thank you, Julie and Diljeet. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Awesome. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I want to start off right off the bat just talking about some of the life lessons that we can learn from running. Running is a super interesting sport to me personally. I married into a running family where I have a father-in-law who's run so many marathons. I don't know how many he's done, some ultra marathons and a brother-in-law who ran track at BYU and and so I I've been able to attend a lot of running events. I personally am more of a supporter than a runner, but I find myself a lot as I watch like the finishes of a marathon or a 10K or something like that. I'm a teacher at heart and I find myself just learning a ton of life lessons as I watch these people finish these long races. And I'm just wondering with both of your long history in running and and all the things that you've participated in, what are some of those greatest life lessons that being a runner has taught you? Um, I, I think for me, one would be resilience. Uh, being an athlete and especially a long distance runner, it takes a toll on your physical, mental, emotional, everything. And you have to be able to be really resilient in all of those areas and continue to show up even when it gets hard and when it um, really pushes you in all of those aspects. And you kind of mentioned the 10K and I'm a 10K runner usually. Mm -hmm. And it's a long race. And in order to be successful in it, you really do have to be resilient and be able to push through those dark places in order to finish. I, I, I agree with the resilience aspect. I also think the life lessons are 
are always evolving. So for high schoolers, the life lessons that they're getting are going to be about discipline and motivation. And uh, as you as you evolve as a runner and you get to different goals, the life lessons get larger. On, on the flip side, where I'm at as a coach, I'm still learning life lessons. And so I think the greatest thing about being a runner, what, what, how it translates to life is, is just the process of becoming. And, and we are all doing that in different stages of our life. And I think running allows us, that's the vessel that we use our sport to continue to become, become something better than we were yesterday, whether that's on the track, on the cross country course, or just in life. And so that's something that I, I get to witness firsthand as a coach, as my women are are going through the program and, and just who they're becoming through through the sport. That really is awesome. I'm curious, both of you have ran in races where running seems to be about working through pain. It almost seems like the person who can learn to deal with pain and work through pain the most becomes more successful. I'm curious, what is going on in the mind of a elite runner when they start to feel pain and they want to keep going. Um, so we actually just had a race on Friday and I remember, you know, towards that last mile, it starts to get really hard and you feel that pain and something coach Taylor tells us all the time. And this came to my mind is she says, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? And I remember thinking that with a mile to go is okay. I can stay here where I'm comfortable and I can be good or I can keep pushing and embrace the hard and I can strive for greatness and try and be great. And so I just kept telling myself, or I guess asking myself that question over and over and over that whole last mile. Um, And so that's something that I took and used to help me as the race got really hard and I was trying to go to that dark place. Yeah, I mean, I think we talk a lot about the dark place in this program and the willingness to everybody wants it, right? Everybody wants to, to have the outcome, but there has to be a will, a willingness to go to that dark place so you can have that desired outcome. And oftentimes our mind quits well before our body does. It's the mind telling the body that it can't, that it hurts, that it's painful. And so I think when, you know, you get to that point, you really have to silence the mind. Um, You have to silence the mind so the body can do its job. And, and some of that is embracing that dark place of racing and whether that happens in the second, you know, half of the race, whether that doesn't happen until the last 800 meters of the race, whether you get there in the first 800 meters of the race, every single athlete is going to have a a meeting with the dark place. And it's, are you willing to go through it or are you going to back off and stay in your comfort zone? And, and we know real growth doesn't happen in comfort zones. And so I think one of the advantages that our program has at BYU is the women are willing to go to the dark place and then they're willing to live in that dark place and embrace it and get comfortable in that dark place. Um, There have been races, both Julie and I, uh, have not went to a dark place. Right. And, and, and most runners know what I'm talking about when you talk about that races that get really uncomfortable or they didn't go as planned and you just decided to take your foot off the gas and stay where it was comfortable. If your teammates are leaving you, you decide not to go cause you're already hurting. Um, and you feel a lot more pride when you're willing to go to that dark place. And in order to do that, 
you, you really have to have a decision already made before you enter the dark place. So that commitment has to come before the gun goes off. Hmm. Will you describe for me being a non-runner? I, I know runners will probably know exactly what you're talking about when you say the dark place. Would, would you describe what that's like when you encounter the dark place in running? Oh boy. Um, yeah, I think the best way to describe the dark place is the moment that doubt enters your mind. And you have to ask yourself, do I really want this? And can I actually do this? Um, because once that doubt creeps into your mind, it kind of consumes you almost in a race. Um, and so that dark place is as you get closer and closer and closer to that doubt. Um, and that extremely hurtful place where you just don't know if you can keep going. Would you? Yeah. yeah. I think it, it, there's, there's a mental aspect to the dark place that you have to wrap your head around. And then there's the physical aspect of the dark place where your legs are throbbing, your chest is pounding. You're really in, in, on the pain train. You've decided to hop on the pain train and now you've entered the dark place. It's almost like you're on that train and you're going through this dark tunnel and most people don't come out of that dark tunnel. But if you can withstand the dark place, there is light on the other side. And that is what we call the finish line. The feeling that you're going to get when you cross that finish line, it, it becomes light again. And the women that are willing to go there see extraordinary results and we have to teach that. You have to teach people to get to that. Some people innately have that ability built in more than others, um, but it's something that can be taught, which is the greatest thing about our sport. You, you can always get better. You can always teach yourself to be a little more uncomfortable, to go a little more dark. Um, we talk about it a lot. We, we visit it often in practice so that when it comes around in a race, we're more likely to you know, have a familiar feeling with that and be able to overcome it. But there's a meeting of the mind and a pain in the body and a pounding in the chest. And you, you will know when you have entered the dark place. <laughs> you know, I actually think I have entered the dark place, but probably not as fast as you guys did, because when I was first married, my family talked me into running a 10 K and I ran it. I was a college baseball player. So I thought I was in good shape. We run 90 feet at a time as you know and so i ran it in basketball shorts and basketball shoes and i entered the dark place when a lady with a stroller passed me and told me you can do it don't give up just keep running and i thought that lady's not beating me and i will say that is my one accomplishment in running i did beat that lady with her two-year-old in a stroller in the speedy spaniard in spanish fork so so i i am an accomplished runner just not quite as much as you all but but yes i and and i'm hearing as you describe this dark place and what it's like to go through it and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel I am seeing a lot of life lessons in that because we're all going to enter dark places in our life where we need to be resilient. And I'm just curious for the two of you who've been to that. I mean, you probably encounter to be at the level that you're at. You try to encounter that dark place almost daily in your training and in your run and to overcome that. Have you found yourself when you enter those dark places of life? 
relying on those same lessons and, and things you tell yourself to make through the dark spot of a race to make it through a dark spot of life? Yeah, I would definitely say that it translates um, from the dark place in running to, you know, those dark places in life. And I think another thing that I like to tell myself is to keep showing up, you know, sometimes it gets hard and that dark place will always come, but the best we can do is keep showing up and then giving it our best effort. And so I think just as long as, like I said, we keep giving our best effort and keep trying that eventually we will find the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I try in my role now as a coach, it's a little different because my, my job, my responsibility is, is to be that light in other people's dark places. And so I, I try to do that. And, and even in life, I think it's a good lesson as we go through dark times, there, there are people in our lives that can be the light and we don't always have to be our own light. And that's how I translate it as right now with, for my athletes, when they're going through hard things, I try to be that light. But when I'm going through something hard, there are other people that are that source of light for me. So um, always looking for the light. That's great. That's great. And it goes right up as Julie knows, right with our mantra of eyes up, do the work. You look for people who might be in a dark moment and share the light and Diljeet, I've done a lot of reading preparing for this and, I know that you spread light by yelling during races, from what I hear. Uh, <laughs> you said, if you come to a meet, you will know that I am there. And, and so those things, it, that's one of the ways, I bet, when you see a runner entering that dark moment of a race, that you're trying to remind them there's a light at the end of this tunnel and to keep going. Yeah, as a coach, when you're in that moment and your athletes are on the line and the gun goes off, you really don't have any control, which is hard for me as a coach with workouts every couple minutes, there's a break so I can regain control and kind of regroup them. So my only chance at anything of in, in while they're racing is to yell as loud as I can and make sure that they hear me. And you'd be surprised. It actually helps. I think it, it does. does. If I'm not yelling at you or for you, um, that's, I think when you have to be worried. So the more you hear my voice, I think the better off we all are. I will say like, there's a little boost of confidence or like fire that's lit inside of you. When you hear coach yelling your name, you're like, okay, like she needs me to go. She's like cheering for me. So it definitely helps. Which has a great application to that eyes up, do the work again, because I think having someone willing to do that i don't know what it looks like in life probably not yelling you know but um but in life when someone's going through a dark moment of life to be there for them to say something to do something for them to help them through that dark moment of their life is we could be like a coach to people and then we have our dark moments and they can be that way for us as well and so great application there Awesome. Can I move on to a mantra that you use as a team that maybe this is one of those things that help you when you enter one of those dark moments As I read about the BYU women's cross country team and the accomplishments and the things that that you all have done. I mean, really, one of just the powerhouses in NCAA right now in cross country and track and field. There was this portion. I'll read this from from an article I read that you wrote Diljeet. 
uh, BYU run for her is the hashtag and the that people could click on and, and look a little more into but it says some people think that the her symbolizes running for a female coach but that's not it the her is our sisterhood the her is the teammate running next to you every single one of my athletes were little girls with dreams that is the her when you get into those tough races sometimes running for something bigger than themselves gives my women something to draw strength from. Whether it is running for that little girl that fell in love with the sport or running for the sister that is running alongside her, it gives them something bigger in that present moment. Yeah, that's ultimately what it's about. And that has nothing to do with outcomes. It, it has the ability, every single woman has the ability to remember the little girl that fell in love with the sport. Every single one of these women are willing to work harder and do more when they think about their teammates. And in those moments when you are running for something bigger than yourself, that's when magic happens. And the success that we've had and will continue to have is not because of any one individual. It's because of collectively all of the women coming together, fighting for the little girls inside themselves. That's, That's the a her. cool way to say it. That's a really cool way to say it. Fighting for the little girl with within themselves. I when I read that, I thought of playing college baseball and just the there were a few moments, you know, when you're playing on a big stage and and you're sitting there and you're you're just sitting there thinking, wow, I am doing right now what I dreamed of when I was an eleven year old little league player. Julie, what has this mantra meant to you as you've as you've embraced it? Honestly, I think you've said it perfectly and I love what Coach Taylor had to add and even your experience with baseball. I remember a couple of years ago, we went and raced at Hayward Field, which is huge in the sport of track and field. I mean, they had just re renovated it and redone it. And I remember just walking out there and all the lights were on and the gun was about to go off. And I just felt so grateful for the opportunity that I had to run at Hayward because that's such a dream that every little runner has doing track and cross country. And I just kind of, like you said, I just was on the big stage fulfilling my dream. And so every time I race and every time I put on the BYU uniform, I like to remind myself of all the work that I've put in since I was a little girl to get to this point. And I always tell myself, wow, little Julie would have been so proud of me right now. You know, <laughs> regardless of the outcome of the race, I got to where I am. And so I think just this BYU run for her, it's such a great reminder of where we came from and where we can go. <laughs> it's super cool to think of yourself walking up to yourself and probably wanting to meet you. <laughs> you know, if little Julie were able to see NCAA athlete Julie, she would want to come up and shake her hand and it's it's pretty gratifying to become the person that that you admired as a little little girl that's that's a really cool vision there any other thoughts on this that are on your mind no i think it it, it started out as something super small at, at end of cross country camp as we were coming up with an identity more of a brand for our team and it's evolved into something that that I think speaks to, to every NCAA collegiate athlete, every professional runner, every high schooler, 
that's putting on a jersey because we all have that little boy or girl inside of us that that dreamt of being where we're at now. And so it's become something bigger than we originally even thought. It was just kind of for our women. Uh, But I love it. I love what it stands for. I love that as every year has gone on with this mantra, it's, it's become more meaningful and it's become more powerful and we're inspiring other young girls. So I'm really proud. You can't have though without women bringing it to life. And so my women have done an amazing job since I've been here to bring the BYU run for her to life. And you'll see it at, at big meets. We wear it, you know, on the back of our shoulder as a temporary tattoo. It's, it's something that, that is a big part of our identity now, the, the main part of our identity. And it keeps things in perspective because as frustrated as we may get or as discouraged as we may become with certain hard things that come along with the sport, when you go back to that 10 year old you, it just is such a powerful reminder of how far you've come. Well, I love that. I, I think that's something that as we go forward, whenever we do these podcasts, you know, we take little nuggets and we share it with, with kids and even a high school athlete dreamed of being a high school athlete one day high school athletes dream of going to college and and so forth this run for her uh, that's a really cool mantra so so thank you for sharing that with us i want to go now and ask a question we have some incredible track coaches football coaches soccer coaches throughout the state here in utah but also throughout the country and but some have more exposure to the sport than others there are some who are just the person who is willing to take time to be with young people and allow them to participate in the sport, but they don't have a lot of knowledge about the sport. And whenever I get the opportunity to talk to someone like the two of you, I think of that kid in a small town somewhere who really would dream. It's that little kid with a dream to be where you are someday, but without the resources and without the guidance. And so I'm just super curious about if you could talk to a junior high, high school kid who really dreams of being a, an accomplished runner, what advice would you give them about what to do each week or each day or even some nutrition stuff as they approach a meet? and? that maybe they don't have someone to guide them through that. And I know we can't go into everything you would want to say about this, but is there, are there any basics that you would tell the young person who would like to improve as a runner, but maybe aren't exposed to the resources to help them do so? I can. Okay. The cool thing about running, the great thing about running is it requires a pair of running shoes and, and a desire. And I, as a coach, love when I get athletes from small towns that have their math teacher as their coach, because we know they're not overtrained. We know they kept it simple. We know the developmental part of it is still there. And this kid's not going to be burned out. They're simply doing it because they love the sport. That's what I love about small town kids. They love the sport of running and they're not attracted to it because of all the bells and whistles and the fancy shoes and the fancy uniforms and the trip to Arcadia. They're, they're doing it because they, they love to compete 
And I love that kid. So for my best advice is not even going to be about training or nutrition. All of that stuff is going to come into play when they get to where they, you know, at the next level. Um, my biggest piece of advice is going to be keep loving the fight, keep loving to compete, go to every meet you can and every opportunity you have to line up against other small schools or even big schools and invitationals, just compete. That that's the gift, the gift of wanting to compete and wanting to beat people. That's the beauty of those small town kids. They have that fight that no big city kid is going to have. So they'll learn the other stuff, but you can't teach, you can't teach the fight. Great. Julie, what advice would you give? Yeah, um, I feel pretty blessed because I did come from a program in high school that had a very good team to train with and a good coach. But I recognize that not everyone has those resources. And so I would kind of piggyback off of what Coach Taylor said and just show up and compete and kind of show them what you're made out of because if you can show up and show them that you have fight, then that's going to take you to the next level. Just because you have a good coach and a good team doesn't guarantee that you're going to have that fight that will take you to the next level. Sounds to me like in running, you could have all the other stuff without the fight and all the other stuff may not help you that much. Am I gathering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a certain number of miles that you try to put in a week? Like, or I know it's probably different at an NCAA level team than maybe you would even recommend for a younger person. But um, is there something that for the kid who's just like, man, I, I think I have the fight, but I also have to build the endurance. What would you recommend as just a, a simple training regimen for a young person who wants to develop, but has the fight, but just doesn't know how to develop the endurance necessary so if they're new to the sport just run 25 to 30 miles a week and then every year as you enter your sophomore junior senior year you can up it five miles if you've been running for a long time you can increase it our program is really individual based depending on what athletes ran in high school, depending on how they're adjusting to the complexity of our workouts now and the structure. So I, I would say, make sure that you structure your mileage to where you get one long run a week, a few interval workouts, and then some recovery runs. And the recovery runs are, are crucial. You don't want to go hard every day. And, and you definitely want to run one long run, which is usually 20% higher than your recovery run. And th that's very basic Every kid can take that formula and apply it to their individual mileage needs, whether they're running 50 miles a week or 30 miles a week. Okay. And so like, give me, so let's say a high schooler, cause I have nothing in my mind as far as a distance. What's a typical recovery run? Depends on what their overall mileage is, but some kids will run four miles for a recovery run. Other kids will run six miles for a recovery run. Okay. So it just depends on what, how they're structuring their overall mileage. Awesome. And so like if it's a four mile recovery run, then you would just run 20% more than that for your long run and the day. And what does an interval run look like? So intervals are either going to be where you're doing track work or repeats of some sort, whether that's 800 meter repeats, 1200 meter repeats, mile repeats, 1Ks, or maybe it's a track workout where you're doing 400s 
at, at a specified pace. You can do tempos or we call it a fart lick, which is three minutes hard, two minutes easy, something, something of that variation. But those are what you would do on your two hard days. And then one long run, which is 20% longer than some of those recovery runs. Okay. That's awesome. Well, that, I mean, that taught me more than I ever knew about running right there. One thing I never thought of was like nutrition before games. Do you have recommendations for, let's say someone has a meet 24 hours from now and they're trying to make sure their body has whatever it needs to push itself. And do you have a recommendation for nutrition? I think the biggest piece of advice is just to not change your diet too much. Um, you want to just kind of eat the same foods that your body's used to eating and then just making sure that you're getting enough nutrients and calories in your body. Cause you don't want to be under fueled going into a race or a competition. A couple days out, I would focus on carbohydrates the night before it's to get uh, a good amount of protein. So that's kind of our, kind of what we do before our athletes compete. And then the most important part of nutrition is that when you finish a hard workout or a race that that 20 to 30 minutes after you make sure you're getting a recovery smoothie or some sort of protein carb mix, because the recovery is crucial. Yes. You want to be prepared and you want to make sure that you have enough fuel in your body so you can perform, but you also want to recover so that you can come back the next week and continue to work hard for runners. You got to find what makes your stomach. Okay. Because there's nothing worse than race day, um, disasters. <laughs> and they'll oftentimes it's just race runners are very boring. Okay. They can't eat a lot of stuff. It's like bananas, bagels, peanut butter, oatmeal, oatmeal just really bland foods that, that you kind of get sick of. They're really monotonous, but we know that they work well with the gut. So that's what you stick to just stuff that works with your stomach. Awesome. Well, that's great. I'm sitting here like applying this to my own life, even though I'm not like a, a high school runner right now, but I'm like, Oh, you know, I, uh, I really love this. So, so thank you so much. To close maybe this interview, our program is all about really doing what you're doing right now. And that is using your position as an athlete, all the attention that comes to athletes, which the, our world pays a lot of attention to athletes and, and trying to encourage athletes, flip a switch in their brain where they begin to see outside of themselves. So many of our youth are kind of arrows in focus, just insecure, not like selfish, not, not any of that. And we try to help them realize that if they'll flip that and to begin looking outward, they could use their sport light, their position as an athlete to really help and lift their teammates, those at their school, those in their community, the little kids that look up to them. And I'm just wondering your thoughts to our athletes on that subject of using their position as an athlete to help and lift those around them and what you would share with them. Um, yeah, I love your guys' motto, eyes up, do the work. And that's something that I've tried to apply every day to my life since I learned about it as a high school athlete. And I think we saw one of the best examples of using your sport light for good 
this weekend at the BYU Baylor game. Um, after the game, people were celebrating, they were cheering, and you saw Jaron Hall, the quarterback, go and embrace the kicker, right? And just hug him and probably reassure him. And I think that is exactly what the sport light is. It's taking your athletic abilities and it, turning it to be an example to people inside the sport and outside of the sport. Yeah, that was powerful. And we, we have this unique platform because of our sport and sport is celebrated in society and looked up to uh, from a really early age. And so teaching, teaching athletes about the giving back, Jaron Hall could have celebrated his win and his team's win, but he wasn't going to do that before he uplifted his teammate. And, and you're going to see that not, not everyone on your team is going to have a great race or a great game. I think it's our responsibility when you're in the spotlight or sport light to make sure that you're lifting up those around you, using your platform for good, not taking it for granted, making sure that you leave the sport better than you found it. I think that's something that is your legacy is greater than your stats. It has to be bigger than your stats. It has to be about how you made your teammates feel what you give every day to those around you, that that ultimately is your legacy. And, and we all want to be remembered by more than our wins. And when we talk about more than winning, that that's the more. Thank you very much. As Julie, as you were saying that about Jaron, I, I remember that you and Jaron, both who've been longtime members of Especially for Athletes, got to speak to a group together here in Spanish Fork just to couple of months ago and and you're both such great examples and and wonderful ambassadors of everything that an athlete should be and and thank you so much today for for taking the time Diljeet we know you are one of the finest coaches in the country to have an opportunity to sit down and get your advice and your feelings and on this and and the lessons of running is just it's a great honor for us that you would take this time and this will be shared with high school cross country teams all across the country that that sometimes there's not a ton of podcasts sometimes that are that are aimed at those high school runners and but they're such great kids and and so thank you both of you for taking the time. Do either of you have any final thoughts that you would like to share to, to close the podcast? Just anything on your mind, regardless of what it is? Um, I, I just want to say thank you to you guys, especially for athletes. I think the message that you guys take to high school athletes and even college athletes now is amazing. And it's enough that it's going to make a big difference in you know, high schools and in colleges, but it's also making a big difference to the individual that whose life it is, I guess. And so thanks for what you guys are doing and for the message that you guys share. Thanks for giving love to the sport of cross country. Yeah. Well, we, we love, we love all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> and so we want to spread our message and we, I love the way that you're doing it. I think it's really important for kids around the country to, to hear different perspectives, but also to have something that's earmarked just for cross country and track athletes, which like you said, is, is not, is not the message we get all the time at the high school level. It's a little different collegiately, but 
a lot of the kids that are running are running because they love it. It's a participation sport. You have a high number of athletes that after school are getting together to, to do this thing and find, they find joy in it. And so I hope they continue to find joy in the sport and thanks for lifting up those athletes and giving them some uh, attention. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to both of you. And thank you, all of you who've joined us today on the Sportlight Podcast. We hope that you'll like this, that you'll share it, that you'll subscribe to the podcast. And as always, keep your eyes up and do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforalfies.org slash book.